0: May the peace of the Lord be with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we await you anew. Come to us now and speak to us through your story. We are listening. And know that you live and reign with the Father and the Spirit as one, and that you always are who you always are. Amen. We have uh, friends here today. I mention it because I didn't tell them I was going to talk about them. So here goes. Over the years... We've developed a close friendship with our friends Bob and Barb, which has had quite a formative effect on me. And as I've reflected this past week in preparation for today, I've realized that among many other benefits, this friendship has shown me what it is to experience peace. Our friendship started when Bob and I worked together years ago, and over time, It's evolved into the four of us sharing time together. We've been in each other's homes. We've made a habit of attending the Salvation Army Festival of Carols at Christmas. And when I was thinking about the people who I wanted to have celebrate an educational milestone, I reached in this past May... They were among those I wanted with me. Some of our most meaningful time is spent at Royal Pizza. Not just because I find pizza to be a thing of peace, which I do. (laughs) Those pizza sharing times are some of my greatest moments of peace, I've realized. I'm convinced that it's because as we sit and catch each other up on life's happenings and share spiritual experiences and give each other space to be tired or weary or discouraged. These friends live peace into my life. During those moments, it is me that they choose to give their time and attention. It is incarnational. Friendship brings joy both because we celebrate life together and because they themselves are a place of refuge, a place of peace in my life. Not every moment that we share is full of happiness. I've been thinking this week about the times that we have lamented together. And the pizza only takes the edge off of that so much. We share a social conscience, and so we lament when it seems as though peace in the world around us seems in short supply. And perhaps you also lament that. Understandably so. We're feeling people. The absence of peace in the world can be troubling. And it seems there are many examples of places and people where and in whom peace is not present. Most of us are reasonably safe and warm, and our bellies are reasonably full. But there are too many others for whom that's not the case. For many of us, the cultures and systems that we have grown up in have worked in our favor. They've resulted in plenty and privilege. But it doesn't take much to look around and notice that plenty and privilege missing in the lives of others. As feeling people, we notice their lack of peace. Some of us are troubled when we notice politics or public policy seem to be deteriorating more and more into an exercise to discover who can create the most and worst enemies. All too often it seems that somehow trying to do good in that sphere is less and less a concern. And as feeling people We notice the absence of peace in our society. For some, the absence of peace is felt in the heart. We struggle inside with loss and grief, with mental and physical illnesses, with broken relationships. We suffer with abandonment, and isolation and loneliness. And as feeling people, we notice the peace missing inside ourselves and inside of others. And so this this idea of Advent, this season of waiting and longing for something better means something to us. We cherish the anticipation, the expectancy of a God who comes to us, Emmanuel, Because it seems to us that maybe that will put right our struggle. Put right the injustices we see, the afflictions we bear. Which brings us to our text for today in Isaiah chapter 11. The Jewish nation had split into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Assyria was the world power. Israel had decided to align with Assyria, probably not entirely voluntarily, and the two together pressured Ahaz, king of Judah and descendant of David, until he began to fold. And so Assyria eventually became dominant over Judah as well. Now, Judah would have experienced this as an injustice against them. This was their very identity being stripped from them. It was not in line with the promises of God. And into the midst of all of this comes the prophecy of Isaiah that things would change for the better. That the God who had made promises to them about how He would bless them would keep those promises. The prophet uses the imagery of a forest to reveal a Messiah who would restore the purposes of God. The forest, including the line of David, on which all their hopes rested, had been reduced to stumps. But the disaster of Ahaz's political decisions would not be the last of the story. promise of God to bring a Messiah from the line of David would be realized. and In the midst of that destroyed forest, a small green shoot would spring up and grow into the very fullness of God, the Messiah. And When that Messiah came, he would bring with him the beginning not only of new life for individuals, but of a new way of being for all of creation together. A way not of fear, but of peace. This Messiah would bring peace to the earth. And it would not be accomplished through common wisdom, but by God's wisdom out of a desire and a motivation to glorify and follow the pattern of God himself. The result of the coming of the Messiah would be recreation. And this would happen because of the essence of the coming one. We can miss in English Bibles a lot of the meaning that's packed into... Isaiah 11, verse 5, righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The language here is not describing outer garments. It's describing undergarments. The most intimate garments, the garments worn closest to the body. The book of Isaiah is telling the reader that righteousness and faithfulness are not just the things that they expect the Messiah to dispense to them, Righteousness and faithfulness are his very essence, his very being. And when that righteousness and faithfulness spreads through the earth, the result is peace. The reader gets to imagine what it would be like for God's peace to reign fully on the earth to the images of predators and prey living side by side as friends, and of little children playing with poisonous snakes as if they're friendly pets. An unimaginable scenario when I sit with my wife and our friends at Royal Pizza, and we are lamenting. An unimaginable scenario in which our fundamental reality is flipped on its head. Changing from one of inequality to one of equality. From one of conflict to one of peace. To us in our day, this passage has meaning beyond the meaning that it had for ancient Israel. It means newness, healing, not only of the individual heart, but of everything. No longer would there be those who have to struggle for a position among the privileged few. No longer would the world function based on who creates the best enemies. No longer would people be left suffering and unconnected. The result of the coming of the Messiah would be a change in the way that all creation operates. This is the peace we anticipate as we journey through Advent. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth to be perfect harmony, to be his temple, his home. And God decided to share the earth part with us, with humans. The peace we anticipate through Advent is God himself. Breaking through into our existence and uniting heaven and earth once again. the transcendent god becoming the imminent god restoring the peace which seems so elusive as we look around us god beyond us becoming god among us god among us is our peace I believe this, and it sounds nice. I've made a special effort to make it sound nice this morning. I've done research in biblical exegesis this week so that I could come here and invite all of us, you and myself, into the romance of Scripture so that we could take hope and find peace In being a part of this ancient story, the story of God. It sounds nice to hear these things. It's supposed to sound nice. It's part of what the story of God does. In telling us who God is, Scripture speaks to who we are and what we're for. It sounds nice. But then we go back to royal pizza. We walk outside of these walls. And it doesn't seem quite so real. It doesn't seem like something we can connect to. When we walk outside these walls, when the next morning comes and we have to contend with everyday realities again, we can lose our connection to a great story of God told in church Lose our connection to the fact that we are included in it. But we should normalize that. This is the reality that we face as we live in this time. The biblical text repeats a pattern. And that pattern is already, but not yet. God has begun to restore his rule of peace in the world through Christ. That restoration isn't complete quite yet. And you and I live in that waiting. And in that waiting, peace can seem elusive. This is Advent. And the waiting isn't completely a bad thing. As we wait anew for the Christ child, we also wait for all of our waiting to be over, for peace to be fully restored, for full recreation. And perhaps one way we can deal with that waiting, that tension, is to remember something else the season of Advent reminds us of. That the Christ child, whom we wait for, was born. This baby was born. The prophecy of Isaiah told ancient Israel, and it tells us, not only to expect that Christ would come, but what the result of his coming would be. That result would be peace. And perhaps all this could have been done another way. But it turns out that the way in which God's rule of peace is restored to the world is through embodiment. Incarnation. Through being born. Through God breaking through into our existence. God becoming Immanuel. God with us. So the attitude of waiting during Advent is an opportunity, perhaps. then, To capitalize on our waiting by remembering that our Lord, our Savior, our example, was born. Yes, we need to consider Scripture in our minds and in our hearts. Yes, we need to understand that God's purposes are being worked out. Yes, we need to have conversations. We need to meditate on that. We need to preach sermons about doing things a new way in the world. But our God was also born. Our God also broke through into our existence and made it fully his own. True and real peace became an incarnational thing. Might not be so obvious, but verse 9 of our text today speaks to that incarnational nature of peace, the result of the coming Christ. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. The Hebrew word used here for knowledge doesn't distinguish between head knowledge and lived experience. In fact, in the ancient Near Eastern mind, something couldn't be fully known unless it was experienced. And so there is, as my wife would say, an invitation in that. Christ, our example, didn't become our example after he was born. The fact that Christ was born is his example. This is the message of Isaiah and the essence of the peace of Christ. Perhaps part of our response to finding peace so elusive could be to remember that we live in the waiting for the perfection of peace. And in that waiting, we are invited to become a part of the story of God by living the peace of the Christ we wait for anew into the world. The peace which comes from God is fully real when it is lived out. We are a part of how the peace of Advent becomes the peace of all creation. Indwelt by the Spirit of God, we, in the midst of suffering, are healing friendships. Friendships. In the midst of being tempted to other them, we are seekers of those with whom we disagree. In the face of injustice, we are doers of justice. In the face of their brokenness, we are restorers of the land and its creatures. In the midst of chaos, you and I are places of refuge for all of God's beloved creation. We live in the waiting for perfect peace. But Christ was born. And he invites us to join him in achieving his purposes. During the season of Advent as we wait for Christ anew, We not only wait for his peace to come to us, we are invited to be his peace. To fill the earth with the knowledge of the Lord, the experience of peace. May it be that as we await Christ anew, that we not wait passively. speak and hear stories of peace being lived into the lives of others. May our expectancy of God's gift of recreation be heightened. May we not only receive him But may we also be transformed by God and spirit into people who are attuned to the ways that God would have us join him in embodying his peace to others and to the whole earth. May we be made people who truly and fully live the peace of Christ. Amen.